So today on American Conversations, we are talking with uh, Johnny Teague, Dr. Johnny Teague, Pastor Johnny Teague uh, from Houston, who's running for Congress. But today we're talking about something he likes to do on the side, which is write books. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. Great to be with you and your great audience. So what what um, I want to talk about today is this book, but this is this is not your first book. This is The Lost Diary of Anne Frank, which I highly recommend highly recommend all of us as kids wrote you know read Anne Frank and when I read this I thought to myself wow first of all you're a great writer I have to say that you show a lot of emotion just like she did when she wrote her diary and I'm intrigued by how you conceived of this because her diary ends that's what we all read she right. wrote it when she was in the annex, when she was with her family and their friends hiding from the Nazis as uh, as Jewish families. Mm -hmm. And how did you come up with this concept? Because this is the diary after they were taken from the annex. Yeah. And I think it's just a brilliant concept. Thank you. Well, it is called The Lost Diary because she was never allowed to write it. And uh, I guess- what after she left the annex and, and yes, went to the concentration. You know, she was arrested four days after her last entry. And, and kind of like you, I read the diary of Anne Frank. I was so moved by it. And, and it just really shook me, even as a teenager. And, and I made a goal. One day I wanted to go to the Anne Frank house. And I wanted to go to Auschwitz. And I wanted to see with my eyes and walk with my feet and touch with my hands what what these precious people went through and so Anne Frank never left me I've read her book several times and um I got some time and I thought you know what we know what happened to Anne but we don't really know how she faced it what all did she face so that was really the thing and I thought you know what I can tell the story but her story's been told but what we've never heard is Anne's viewpoint through Anne's eyes going through Westerbork and Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. And so I began to read all of these uh, historical accounts. I, I studied at Auschwitz three different occasions. In fact, I, I may have told you, I, I was at Auschwitz so late one evening on my third trip as I was taking mm -hmm. notes, the guard locked me in. I was the last one there. I gotten so wrapped up in it. That, that I lost all concept of time. I didn't even realize it was dark. I was down at the crematorium where they would cremate the bodies after they killed them. And there's this big patch of ground past the, the ruins of the crematorium where they buried the ashes. And I just sat there thinking about how many families and how many lives were lost here. And it was so emotionally spent. I just sat there. And so when I finally looked up and realized, heck, I better get out of here. It's dark. I was the only one there in the whole wow. compound. And um, so that must, have been, that must have been surreal, Johnny. It was surreal. And I couldn't get out. And I banged on the door at the guard tower and nobody seemed to be there. And I began to try to find a way out of the fenced area. I couldn't find a way out. It wasn't electrified like in her day but it was still no way to get out with the barb on top. And so I, I circled around, went back to the guardhouse, pounded, pounded, pounded. Finally, I heard the footsteps of a Polish guard 
who just happened to have been there and uh, he let me out. But but in answer to your question, I, I interviewed eyewitnesses. I interviewed survivors. I studied at the site. I studied Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, an amazing Holocaust a mm-hmm. gathering of the full story. I studied at Washington, D.C. at the Holocaust Museum there, studied at Dachau, studied Corey Tim Boom, who was another person who went through um, the concentration camps. And so how did I come up with the concept? Just I wanted her story to be told, but I wanted us to understand the emotion. And so I did all I could to fill in the gaps and retell her story. You know, I, I thought it was it was amazing. I just want to read a passage you have here. It's on page 41. When you write, uh, where is our Moses? Where is our Esther who will stand on our behalf? Who will lead us out of this? Will General Eisenhower? Will Prime Minister Churchill? Hmm. And I think to myself, it's almost where we are today mm-hmm. in, in terms of the dark cloud. On um, Also on page 50, you write, what the, and this this is where um, she she gets a number, and she's told this is after she arrives at Auschwitz, and she's told that, and they strip them and and they they shave the hair of the women. They're separated from from her father, who she refers to as Pim. She's with her mother and her sister, and then they go naked and they have to lay out their arms. And she is a twenty five to thirty seven. The commodification, I mean, you really grasp the commodification of what goes on in the hearts of people who are evil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't want to give away the, the whole story here because I want people to go out and buy this book. It is it is absolutely riveting. It's a page turner. And you you grasp the emotion behind this. And, I, and when I read it, I, I kept on thinking, this is what we're going through today. And and, and 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 for people, the younger generation, I don't know if it, huh, the real diary of Anne Frank has been, you know, outlawed yet. I mean, somebody may outlaw it, you know, God only knows. But yeah. people should read it in as and the companion book should be this because where that diary that she wrote ends, you've gone back and you've done this research to pick up at that point in time. What's you know, this came out in 2020. So where did you get the, the the process of thinking about the commodification? Was it because of the research, being in those spaces, interviewing people? Yeah, when you go to when you go to Auschwitz, I never write a book where I, I don't go to the sites and study there because I, I don't want to be inaccurate. In fact, every concept like when you read, where's our Moses? Where's our Esther? Mm-hmm. Every thought, I took her book, her diary. And I dissected it. It took me a year to break it down and to, to follow her train of thought. And, and so everything you read in The Lost Diary of Anne Frank carries over from the original book. So she dealt with, she was tracking in the annex, where's Churchill? What's Roosevelt doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we as Jews being treated this way? And so literally nothing in there is, is fabricated. And to feel hose. But no thought carried on the book is is something that didn't come from her in the first book, because we have to truly reflect who she is. And that commodification, when you go into Auschwitz and you've been there, I'm sure, or or hopefully you'll get to. But Mm -hmm. you see the wall 
of pictures of the ladies in their orange mm -hmm. outfits with their numbers and their shaved heads and this look of horror and death in their faces. And, and literally, I believe the Germans did that. They, they gave them a number. They had to divorce the, divorce the humanity from them so they could treat these people like animals. And, and one of the things I bring out in the book, and I won't give it away either, but what Anne feels when she stands before the guard who takes her name to give her number, to me was just such an overwhelming uh, darkness. And, and I researched even that number because I wanted to get as close to what a real number was. So I really had to track that down. And I'm from what I can tell, I'm within about 50, you know, 25 on either side of what her actual number was. So it easily could have been the number that you, you read to our audience. So let's talk about, you know, when the diary, her, her father, Otto Frank, survived. And, and and the diary was taken by a friend of the family. Mm -hmm. And, let, you know, the world would not have seen that diary, but for Otto Frank reading it and being moved by the daughter he thought he knew. Yeah. Talk, t tell the audience about that, because that, that, that is a quite, it's a quite moving story in, in terms of how that came about, because our generation would not have had access to it, but for the father, but for the friend who took the diary saved it, the father surviving, and the father sharing it yeah. with the world. You know, her, uh, Otto Frank's uh, employee, Mike, was the one who held on, found the diary when the family was arrested, and uh, she went together anything she could. She found Anne's diary, and Otto, you know, Anne thought Otto had died. She thought he was the first one to die when they got into Auschwitz because he wasn't looking healthy when they were separated, he was of the age to be exterminated. So the whole last months of Anne's life, she just knew her daddy was dead. Her dad didn't know anything about uh, his family either. And so when he did get, get you know, escape or, or actually was released and then uh, didn't escape, but he was released and the war ended and they were set free. He, he got that diary from his former employee who really helped keep them hidden. And, and I guess the, the answer to your question probably touches me. I'm a dad. I have a daughter. I think I know my daughter, but I really don't know her. I know what I see. I know what she lets me see. Mm -hmm. And when Otto Frank read his daughter Anne's diary, it was a completely different person than he knew. I mean, it made him love her more. It also made him question himself more as a dad. It made him upset that his daughter had such bad feelings towards his wife, her mom. Right. And you would you address you address that in yes. this in this book in a point way. And again, I don't want to give it away, but I yeah. thought you know, it, it she she learned to love her mother and yes. appreciate her mother, even though in the annex she had issues with her mother. Yes. Yes. I think, you know, we, we learn to appreciate people when we see them put through the flame, put through the test. And uh, we won't describe all that Anne discovers, but at Auschwitz and Westerbork, when she saw her mom in a different context, but again, we accurately portray how those emotions and feelings towards her mom changed.
I thought it was beautiful the way that when, when they're in Auschwitz and it's so stark and there's no conversations and the women, her sister and um, her mother and the friend of the family, are, they're in, they're together, okay, in the woman's barracks and, and there's no conversations among people, even though they're crowded in there. And you, you've, you write in the book about the conversations that, that the women start to have among themselves with strangers yeah. and they tell their stories. Yeah. How did you come up with that concept? I thought it was beautiful. Again, it was it was from eyewitnesses and survivors who talked about how their view of people completely changed and how these animosities that they had outside of Auschwitz uh, back in the when they were free, uh, they had these these um, prejudices, they had these um, assumptions about people. But when they were there together, they found that everybody had a story. And when they learned that story, they began to really, really appreciate people more, but also brought a bond. And I think about today, how divided we are. If we would just learn each other's story and what makes me who I am and where I came from and what what fears I have, I think we would start seeing people through a much more understanding eye. And, and sadly, that's what happened at Auschwitz. Sadly, that's the, the, these, all these dreams they had change into survival and cooperation with each other to make it. Did you, did you read uh, Victor Frankl's been one of my favorite books, his, his, um, his man's quest for meaning. That's not the right title. But I mean, did, did he influence you in any way? Since I've heard, of, I've heard of the book. I have not read it. He he did not. Uh, but I look forward to reading it um, because what you had described about it completely piqued my interest. And when I get through with this dog campaign, I am reading that book. It's on my top uh, top book to read. I've got to read it. Yeah, because he talks about, you know, his experience as a Holocaust survivor, uh, you know, and, 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 and you, you see that you see humanity when people when people in desperation, either you either see the devil in play or you see, see humanity. This is not your first book. I have to hold this up because I want to make certain people get this. This is The Lost Diary of Anne Frank by Johnny Teague. Um, Johnny, this is not your first book. So let's talk about uh, how you got into writing. Well, I will say this, The Lost Diary of Anne Frank, just to be as honest as I can, if if I were to die today, and I think other than my family, the greatest thing I feel that I could have done uh, for this world uh, is probably write The Lost Diary of Anne Frank, because wow. to me, it was the most moving journey, and I'm still, it's hollowed ground, and I'm still moved by that book. To me, that book is so different from any anything I could ever do. To me, it is the Mount Everest of anything I could accomplish. But how but, did you come up with the concept? It's such a fabulous concept of taking 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 something like a real diary where it ends and knowing that that person lived longer than that diary ending and then doing the research and going forward. And this is not your, you're doing one on George Washington too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where did that concept come from? Because I think it's a brilliant concept. I, I think probably just as a pastor, I sit with people all the time and, and I counsel them. I, I try to do what I can to help. 
and and when I sit down and you know someone can tell me about their story, but mm-hmm. when I hear them tell me with their own lips, with with their own emotions, I, automatically I I have a completely different kind of a better grasp of who they are. Sure. So with Anne Frank, you know, you know, someone could have written a, about a young girl in hiding, and that would have been an interesting book. But to hear it from her words and to see her frailties and to see her imperfections and that annex and her her animosities, man, I want to tell you, it just it just it just captures you. So I guess I guess when I looked at Anne Frank and the Holocaust, that I just thought, you know what? I want us to recreate that book for the rest of her life. And I wish I wouldn't have been the one to do it. I wish she could have done it. But unfortunately, she wasn't able to do it. Well, you did it in, in, in a very beautiful, very moving way. <clears throat> you know, uh, you're, and I want to sh- give a shout out to your publisher, Kurt, at uh, Hysteria, because I, I think this, I think it's, I mean, he sent it to me. He wanted me to read it. I, you know, I've been caught up with the campaign and everything else we're recovering now. But it's, you know, when I read it, I couldn't, I couldn't stop turning the pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 really it, it's it's so important for people to read the real diary and to read this because it's the story. You know, and it's interesting. I, I talked to my wife through the whole process of putting it together, all my trips, all the research, and so she knew what the book was about. She knew the moments that I was reflecting in the book, but she read it the first time when, when History of Books sent it to me. Kurt sent me our first copy, our author's mm-hmm. copy. I came home and go, hey, honey, uh, read this and tell me what you think now that it's all compiled and put in a nice, beautiful hardback cover. I came home. She read it in a day. I came home from work and she's on the couch weeping. Yeah. And not weeping just for sadness, but weeping with the with an appreciation of Anne Frank. I have written four books, The Living Your Way Out of a Mess. I deal with how do we deal with troubles in our lives? Preaching Your Way Out of a Mess was Book of the Year by Preaching Magazine. I talked about the top 10 crises that pastors face that make them want to quit. And most and, of them. And have quit. Have quit. And quit. And quit. And, and that that got Book of the Year and uh, it's doing, it's done well. And the Lost Diary of Anne Frank is, of course, my crown jewel that I'm just most in love with. I would put second to that, though, the book that comes out this spring. Uh, the Lost Diary of George Washington. And I followed the concept of, that, with Anne, but again, it wasn't uh, something made up. George Washington kept a copious diary uh, throughout his life until the American Revolution started. And then when he became general uh, of the colonists, he quit doing his diary because he was too busy to do anything else. So he, he had to write orders, he had to write letters, he had to solicit Congress. And, and so when it came to, he did just too busy to do a diary. When he got to Yorktown and the British were about to surrender, Washington finally found a break after all that fighting to resume his diary. His first entry at Yorktown was this, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish I would have kept my diary throughout the war. So when I read that, I'm like, we need to write that story. So I, I gathered every paper he ever wrote, every letter he ever wrote that we have a record of, mm-hmm. uh, every order he ever gave, 
I went to every battlefield where he was engaged. I went to every campsite where he stayed. And, and I reconstructed his diary from when he entered the war until Yorktown. When he resumes it, I end it because I wanted to fill that gap. And, and I've, I've gained such an appreciation for General Washington. And we see in his letters his humanity. We see his fears. We see his struggles. We see him slipping off to pray things that he actually referenced in his letters, but but didn't really get to enunciate and explain. And so that is the lost diary of George Washington. And I think anybody who reads it, again, it's historically as factual as we can be, but because I write the lost diary of Anne Frank in first person, because mm-hmm. I write the lost diary of George Washington in first person, is considered historic fiction because they didn't write it but it's my way of telling a biography from first person. That reminds me of a, of a style that um, Michener used when when he would when he would he would write his I, I want to say historical novels, but in the context he he actually had I think it was thirty plus researchers when he would write one of his one of his books. So if it was about South Africa or it was you know about Maryland, mm-hmm. he would actually you know, try to bring the story based upon historical facts. And it's a beautiful way to write something like this. But but this this is even more purposeful to me because it because you're looking at this very creatively, um, almost as an artist. You're filling in the gaps. Well, thank you for that. You know, one of the be- most beautiful things that I could do when I wrote Washington's book was to literally go to the battlefield and sit under a tree where all these men's bodies lay after one of the battles and be able to write uh, entries into Washington's diary based on the facts, based on the history, but to be able to write it right there on the spot or to sit at his headquarters, let's say at Valley Forge, and to sit on that porch and look over the, the creek that he faced, to look over the, the, the campsites of his men and to literally be able to sit there with my laptop and, and write as I look at a, at a creek or a river that he stared at, uh, to be able to go up into one of the rooms where he stayed or where he gave orders or where he did plans, and to literally sit in the corner of a room and be able to write or complete his entry, to me, um, to me it brings truth. It brings fact, but it brings uh, the true um, grasp of what what this great man faced. Well, I can't I can't wait to read that one when it comes out, Johnny. I want to have you back about that with more information. Uh, and lastly, I, I want to ask you, what is it that you found out about Anne Frank that that you didn't expect to find out? That's a great question. I think the biggest thing we, we assume, now granted, she, mat- she matured greatly in those trials. And so some people- and this is, and she, was, she was 15 when she, when she was taken to Auschwitz. Yeah, right? yeah. So she's not, not 15 yet. She was almost 15. Almost 15. So she's, she, was, she spent her formative years, okay, mm-hmm. as a teenager uh, in hiding at the annex from the Nazis. So she was there from 12 she was 12. Is that right? She was 12 years of age. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I guess, I guess the thing we find is 
it's people have criticized the diary of Anne Frank, right. diary of a young girl, because they say that's too mature. There's no way a 12 year old would write these things. Well, they're incorrect because sometimes we have to grow up fast. And sometimes we have to consider things a 12 year old normally wouldn't have to consider. And it's the same with, and so what right. did I, what did, oh, go ahead. I was good. I was thinking, you know, in a war zone. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, when they say, when they, the criticism, you know, they're not understanding this is a child during her formative years. It's in hiding. She's yeah. looking out the window. Yeah. She's it, whispering. It, 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 you know, it's a different lockdown. It is. It is where life and death is inside that annex. And so I guess the thing that I discovered probably more about Anne is as we looked at her at Bergen-Belsen where health was failing, or we look at her at Auschwitz when, you know, she faced a couple of near-death experiences to see how she took that and how she, she all of her priorities completely changed where all of a sudden she, she just wants to live. She doesn't care about fame. She doesn't care about being discovered, even being a great journalist. She just wants to live and have life like we take for granted. And I think that's probably the thing I walk away from. The sadness of her death it still eats at me. The sadness of her sister's death before her just horrifies me. But to, but to see everything boiled down to the most important things. And Frank really, probably more than anybody, grasped what really is important in this world. Did you do any research on her father, Otto Frank? I did. I did. And what did you find out about him? Well, Otto, Otto Frank, I guess the thing, of course, he, he, he remarried and uh, continued on with his life. But I guess, I guess the thing is, I think he taught us that you can move forward and still hold on. Uh, I think Otto Frank had the most amazing mastery of the present and the past. And, and I don't know how many people could do that. And, and he constantly had to revisit what he went through. He had to constantly revisit, especially Anne Frank, never dreamed his daughter would be this amazing, famous figure in, in the world's darkest moment. But for him to be able to, to survive and to have his health and, and to have a life after that, I, I guess I, I don't even understand how he could how he could do what he did and, and keep everything in perspective and still speak truth and, and then go back home and live a live a normal life. You know, we live in a world of PTSD where we, we let our past completely uh, stop our present and our future. And if anybody would have, had, and, and I know it's a real illness and a real condition, and we have to handle it with kid gloves. I'm not being insensitive, but Otto Frank clearly had those experiences and could have just been traumatized. Mm -hmm. And yet Otto Frank seemed to be able to move forward, but still holding on to the past. And there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people who were able to do that, and many others who who suffered greatly from from the Holocaust. Um, did he have children after after he remarried? He he didn't have children. He had stepchildren, uh, mm -hmm. or, but uh, he never he never fathered another child. 
Well, I didn't want to. I, I, I you know, <clears throat> after losing, after losing two daughters, that that may have had a big impact on him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Johnny Teague, I cannot say this enough. People need to read the Lost Diary of Anne Frank. Thank you very much. Good luck. I want you to, you know, I, I want to read the your next book that's coming out on George Washington, and we'll get back and have a conversation about that too. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time.